Welcome to the Safe Triple Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, our weekly review of Lovecraft Country, HBO's historical fantasy horror series. And joining me on this review brought to you here on StreamYard, on YouTube, and in our Facebook group, Triple Nation, is my lovely Triple, starting with that guy. The man, the myth, the legend, Master Triple, E-Mac. I am in the building. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. And we have one of our lovely hosts. It is her. What's up, good people? It's your friendly neighborhood comic and coffee slinger, your girl, the Amalgam Triple, a.k.a. Uncanny Triple, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy Triple. Show Show enough. In the building, ready for Lovecraft Country. Let's go. And our other host, Gabe, the horror triple, could not be with us this week, ladies and gentlemen, but she sent a ghoulish figure in her stead. It is her partner on the Ghouls Next Door podcast, and that's her. <laughs> um, so I'm subbing in for Gabe. Gabe says hi. She loves you all. My name is Kat. I am co-host of The Ghouls Next Door. We talk about spooky stuff every Tuesday. Thank you very much, uh, Kat, for sitting in. This is your a return to the Safe Travel Travel Guide. So I'm glad to have you back with us as we review episode six of Lovecraft Country. Meet Me in Deku, written by Misha Green and Kevin Lau, directed by Helen Shaver. In the throes of the Korean War, nursing student Jiha, played by Jamie Chung, crosses paths with a wounded Atticus who has no recollection of their violent first encounter. And um, violent it was indeed in this episode of Lovecraft Country. Before I turn things over to Ariel, uh, our host for the for the evening, let me uh, first ask you, Kat, mm-hmm. the death by robots triple herself. Um, yes. It's been a while since we've had you here in the travel guide. How have you been enjoying Lovecraft Country? It has been like a wonderfully stressful experience. <laughs> like... Every episode, I feel like you have to watch it more than once just because it's like the you miss stuff otherwise because you're just like the kind of the shock of like the horror of it all. And then mm-hmm. you have to like go back and be like, oh, wait, this was doing this and this was doing this. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I've loved like watching you guys talk about it, even if I'm not like here on the show. But it's been cool. It's been saying a lot of really necessary things that need to be out there. And it's been stressful. We can curse here, right? Yes, yeah. we can curse. As hell. <laughs> <laughs> and she came with it. And, and she brought and, it, damn it. And the, the H-E double hockey stick, wow. It's the worst one. I got to scrub my ears after that. Right. I work with kids, y'all, so <laughs> I forget how to curse sometimes. Oh, you'll, you'll learn. We'll, you'll we'll pick it up teach real you. quick. We'll teach you. Lynn, this one? Yes. You'll be a this, no It's that one right there. It's that one it's right not, there. It's that one. Oh, wait. That one. <laughs> I'm pointing the air. So we're all pointing the finger. I'm like, she's looking at the comments. She was talking about. 
Uh, shout out, speaking of the comments, thank you to each and every one of you watching us on YouTube and on Facebook. Nerd Soul, I see you. Uh, K. Martin, Charles, uh, Draft, uh, Drafter11, I see all of you out there. Aaron Fry, of course. Uh, Nerd Soul says that G.I. was giving everyone the whole thing and then some. Yeah, this it was episode. no tips or hurt. Like, they, yeah. they, they yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for real. No for real. But wait, so or so a, a nerd moment. I got really excited because the um the first guy that we see Jihad devour is Ando from Heroes. Yes, yes, yes. 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 I said and he friend. I said and he came looking tight and right. I was like, uh, uh, okay. And then I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. No. <laughs> that's unfortunate. What happened to you, sir? I'm so sorry. That was not a happy ending. Not in, no, no, not at all. But he came, he came right for no, his scene. He was ready. I said, "Okay, and Doe, it's been a minute." Amen, amen. So where are we going, uh, Ariel? Where are you taking us in on our review of episode six of Lovecraft Country? Meet me in Deku. So I, I will say, I'm, I'm hoping everybody. Uh, will help me out if I'm missing anything because I did only get a chance to watch this this episode twice, once, I'm sorry, only once, and usually I watch it three times. So I feel like I probably missed a whole lot because as Kat said earlier, it's like you really do miss stuff on that first watch. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I, I, a thing that like stuck out for me initially is like, so as we're, we're getting introduced to G.I. and we're learning that she's like a, a, a movie fan, she's, she enjoys American cinema, right? To the point that when everybody was out of the theater, she was like, she did a little dance routine. She was like, oh, great. And I, and I love that because I was like, that's something I would do. Like, nobody's in here. Let's dance real quick. Um, right, 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 right. But I, it's interesting to me because I, you know, there, she's watching, um, it was a Judy Garland movie. Meet me in St. Louis. Meet Sorry, me in St. Louis. A Judy Garland movie. And, this Horrible. is like, you know, so this is what episode six, right? So mm-hmm. we've six, we've yeah. seen the the supernatural horror, you know, we've seen the real racial horror and trauma that happens in the United States. And then so now we're in Korea. We have this Korean woman who's never been to the United States, doesn't really know anything about American culture other than what she's seeing in films. And so she's getting that that lie of like white innocence. And specifically, mm-hmm. when I when I was watching it, I was thinking of I think it was um, I am not your Negro, where they talk oh. about like you know uh, uh, Fred Astaire and you know Ginger Rogers and you know oh look look we're just you know just again like this uh, sanitized version of like whiteness and right. and their innocence. Meanwhile, all these other things are happening. You know what I mean? Yes. Like this this movie is coming out when people are getting, you know, br- you know, these movies of dancing and oh these white picket fences is happening right as uh you know, uh black people are being discriminated against in every facet of life. And then mm-hmm. and then you got to look at like white people doing well, right? right. And right. And the, and the fact that that was like her takeaway, like, oh, man, you know, America's this magical place to the point, you know, when she meets the Korean American officer and when she's having a conversation with Atticus, you know, and she asked them, like, do you know Judy Garland? And Atticus laughs and he's like, we would only know her if I was her butler and he was the he was the chauffeur. And she's like, I don't understand. And she's like, because 
we, you know, people of color, non-white people are treated differently in America. And then, you know, then we have that moment where she says to the Korean officer, well, why don't you stay here? And she's, he's like, because I don't belong in either place. If I'm right. there, if I'm there, I'm one thing. If I'm here, I'm another thing. But at no point do I actually ever belong. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think, I think that's, that was just an interesting thing to do to, again, you know, up until this point, uh, like, you know, there are no good white people, right? So up until this point, every white character that we've met is like, you know, you give them the side eye because, again, this is a world where there, there are no white people. Like, I feel like Jordan Peele has said that about, like, projects that he's involved in, right? And then, so in this one, the only, like, good white people we see is a myth. Like, you know, you know again, this myth that Hollywood created but again, it's it's taking place along with these atrocities, you know, right alongside yeah. them. And I just so I so that was something that really um, stuck out to me watching it, you know, um, just watching her kind of fall in love with this like American lie. It's like it's propaganda. You know what I mean? Because that that's not America. It, you know? it is so it is, it is so much propaganda, and it actually it's even like a little bit more deeper in in her love affair with you know not only American culture but more specifically Judy Garland and the vision of America that she gets through Judy Garland in these films, and yet that is juxtaposed against Judy Garland at the end of the movie. I mean, of the, of the episode when you hear Judy Garland's interview, um, I, I can't I can't even talk because I'm I'm hearing the Eric's <laughs> daughter. <laughs> I need to see her head. My she bad. I say could... hi. No, she's trying hi. to take a picture of me, and she's like, "You have a ni- <laughs> you have an ice cream cone on your head, et cetera, et cetera." So she was she's trying to take a picture of me. <laughs> and, there, and there she is there right she on is. cue right there she be. knows she's ready for a close up she's ready for a close up yeah she, she, does, she doesn't miss a moment she knows when you're on air dog oh yeah she you, knows. you thought she wasn't waiting <laughs> she's checking her watch like wait a minute like, wait a minute it's almost time for me to go perform <laughs> she's like positioning you like daddy sit still sit still wait yeah Wait. I don't know why you interrupted her session, Lynn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so I'm sorry to inter- interrupt your photo your photo shoot with a uh, with a show here, Eric. I apologize for that. Right. Um, uh, Nerd Soul says he knows exactly what you're talking about. His son be all up in his live stream, so he knows how it be. So he's he's got <laughs> he's got love for you, E. Um, but what I was saying was that um, everything is juxtaposed by Judy Garland's interview that you hear at the end of the film as they're going to see the shaman kind of like jumping jumping the gun a little bit but julie garland is giving the the truth to the lie that is her life in that you know um she had to deal with so many lies being told about her in the newspapers she had to deal with the lie that was being presented in the films especially like in meet me meet me in st louis specifically in that movie, that's a movie where the stu- the movie studio um, kept her like working almost like 20 hours a day filming that movie. Hopped up on drugs to keep her not only awake to do the movie, but to keep the weight off 
keep weight off of her, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, the, her movies, as heralded as they were, you're right, do become propaganda, not just of America, but of, you know, uh, of Julie Garland herself. Uh, and it's interesting that, you know, G.I. falls for that gets lost in that so much so that you said she has like that fantasy moment where she's dancing in the theater yet it quickly cuts to you realize that that was actually just a fantasy because the real situation that they're living in is they're living in the midst or in the big right in the midst of the korean war with bombs blowing up outside and tanks rolling through the town letting them know that uh america is here uh, and and Len, I, I, I wanted to say thank you because I did not know who that was. I was like, who is speaking? And I actually oh. wait. I waited through the credits because I was like, maybe they'll tell tell you what it's from because I just I didn't know. Yeah, that um, had me lost too. But now that makes I mean, and I know Judy Garland's um, life was not all that it seemed, right? I I know that she like you know had a. Um, some troubling things and just the way I guess the Hollywood machine works but I did not realize that was her I was trying to figure that out so thank you yeah more than welcome more than welcome all right go ahead I'm sorry I, I I rambled for a little bit there no no and I mean so so that so that's you know again as we're as we're talking about because what I will say is like in this episode race doesn't play the same role that it has played in other episodes. Not quite, not quite. You know what I mean? I mean, you you understand it's like, okay, he's a black soldier. I was actually surprised even that he was in the same ward as white soldiers when he was injured. Um, And so I don't, you know, but I don't know, maybe that was. Yeah, they might not have the room to segregate here as well as, you know, overseas. Right, right. So it's like, all right, people are dying. This is dire. So we, we can't really pick and choose who gets what bed. But I did notice that. But again, like that, like that black white dichotomy that we are we've been um, dealing with throughout the rest of the episode is not an issue here in the same way. Um, not in the same way, but, you know, like with the military and all that, like it does play a role, but that's not the perspective we're we're looking at. So it was interesting, mm-hmm. again, that we are we are in a place where again, just like race is not the the same danger that it was. And in fact, I mean, I think what we're seeing with this is like, we're getting more of um, almost the same thing with like Yahima, as far as like, uh, you know, black people being the agents of other oppressed groups suffering. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of like, you know, going to war. So you're you're going to this other country and like you're lining up nurses and shooting them in the head. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? With without even like batting an eye. And again, for a country that does not love you. And she says that she said, why do you why do you fight for a country that doesn't love you? You know, and and I thought Atticus's uh, response was interesting that he was just trying to get away from his father. But now he's you know, he's entered into a whole nother realm of like suffering, right? And abuse because of what this war is doing to him as a, as a human being. 
Yeah, race doesn't play a bigger part in this episode, but I think that's also because this episode is very much about introducing you into a whole nother culture, into the Korean culture um, and, and their way of life. And I, I, and I actually appreciated that because it would have been very easy because Atticus was a veteran for our images of the war to be seen from his viewpoint, but for our introduction into the Korean War to be from the Korean point of view, I thought was very interesting and even more so for it to be from the point of view of these young women who were would go to be the, the nurses in these hospitals um, was really, really cool. Um, and a, a very different point of view. You talked about how the once they feared that there was a commun, a communist spy in their midst, that they had to, you know, they pulled these these nurses um, to the side and had them kneel on their knees and base and basically just execute two of them in order to root out this the spy. These are the same nurses who were just a scene or two ago were stitching these these soldiers back together mm-hmm. you know what i mean thank thanklessly because as the, these soldiers were calling them slurs while they were doing it but they were thanklessly stitching them back together and now you're so quick to just throw a bullet into in, into anyone just because of of orders um I mean, it, but you, it, it, can you say just because of orders? Like, orders are all you have. Like, you have to follow orders. Otherwise, you're insubordinate. You end, in, end up in the hole. Like, you're only there to follow orders. And it's unfortunate, but, like, you have to find that traitor because you're saving lives because, you know, information is being leaked out. So it's a life or death situation, very much so. But it's not even like he got, like, any kind of preparation for that. You know what I mean? Like, you're a soldier. You're a private. You do what you're told. This morning after breakfast on the side of the road, they just told you on the way here, they just spy on that thing. Y'all have to find out who it is. We don't care how many come back. Like, and then to just deal with that, but then find the right one and find the chain and to save lives, like that's that's gruesome for everybody. So there, there's yes. nobody who's enjoying that. Nobody wants to give that order. Nobody wants to carry that one out. Like nobody wants to come home and be called a hero. And that's what I did as a soldier. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, that's the kind of the, the thing that I don't think anybody really gets to think about when you're talking about veterans coming home and, you know, thank you for your service. Or that's a little easier than congratulating for everything they might have done. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, but I think the other piece of that is so you when you're dealing with black soldiers and, and when you're dealing with that Korean soldier, you know, who, who was drafted, it's like. They, when they go home, no, no one is going to say thank you for your service. Nobody is thank going to call them a hero. It's thank like you. they still got to go to the back thank door. You. They still got to do this. They still thank getting you. harassed by the cops. I mean, we've seen we've seen like Tick have to get kind of harassed in his uniform. So it's like so again, even that whole idea is like again, you're serving, you're you're doing the strength for your country. You're lining up nurses and executing them because they might have been a communist for a country that doesn't give a shit about you like I, and yeah. I think and and you know and so that and that's something that's like really personal for me it's like my my dad was drafted and served in the um the Vietnam war and it's like in this country you don't give didn't give a fuck about him you know what I mean and and he you know he came home from that but he came home 
with a lot of issues. He came home with a drug problem because of that. And, and I didn't have my dad in the way that I would have liked to have him because partially because of this raggedy ass country. Right. right? And, you, and you're like sacrificing people on this altar and then they come home and you still don't even treat them like they're human. You know what I mean? So so again, I, I feel like. So for the so for the white soldier, maybe, yeah, you get to come home and you're a vet and thank you for your service. Oh, you know, the military, rah, rah, rah. That is not the case for for those for those soldiers of color that that also did the same thing. You know what I mean? So so, you know, so you're following orders for what? Yeah, you, and, and I understand like you have to follow orders. But at the end of the day, how do you even reconcile that? Because you did these horrible things and you're not going to get your due when you get home. You know what well, I mean? Well, to, to East point, unfortunately that is the, that's the dichotomy right there. You know what I mean? It's like you, when you're in the midst of it, you can't be worried about that because it is, it is what you have to do. It's, 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 it's your, it's your job. You don't, you don't get the opportunity. You don't get the choice of making a choice, you know? Um, so that, that is unfortunate, but I don't want to get away. I don't want to get away because this is like really great stuff. But I don't want to get away from what I think is like the meat of this episode, of course, which is Jiha and her situation, and specifically her relationship with her mother or her well, I mean, mother well, figure, if you will. Right. I guess. Well, I mean, well, it is the mother of the body. You know what I mean? So right. the, bo- the body that the spirit is inhabiting. And you know what? So I was confused at first because it was like, oh, you're not bringing home any men. So I'm thinking suitors. And then we mm-hmm. had that that really awkward and kind of sad. It's like nobody liked it. Oh, with the speed, baby. <laughs> I, know, I, know. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like, especially that last guy. I was like, how dare you, sir? You don't cross <laughs> off number 31. Um, but yeah, so you think like, oh, suitors. And then it was like, oh, no. There's no, something we else. have a number to hit. There is a goal in mind. There's something else going on here. Quite, quite. <laughs> but um, so so I'm I actually had to look up because the the nine-tailed fox spirit. I have uh, I think in Love, Death, and Robots. There's yes. actually a story, but it's the I think in Chinese that story version Jap- of it. Is it yeah. Chinese or Japanese? It's Chinese. It's yeah. Chinese. Because I know the original tale is a Chinese myth, and then I think has been over time adopted by Japanese and Korean. Right. But but exactly. so when I saw, because of course when you know the things are coming out, it's like, like that's a hooligan. Yep. It's like what what is that, right? And then when she tells her mom like I can control my tails, and then I was you know I was counting all the or- orifices, and it was like oh yeah that that was nine that was. <laughs> There were nine tails. So, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, to, uh, Tony P says, on a lighter note, as a Pokemon fan, this definitely gave me a different perspective on uh, Vulpix nine tails. <laughs> exactly. Now you understand where they get these things from. Yeah, that's real mythology right there. And you had no idea why they was really chasing Ash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not if anything, they're chasing Brock. Mm, mm. Word, word. True, yeah, because there are angry spirits that avenge women (laughs) or, you know, attack men. So, yeah, Brock, he's probably... That nine-tailed (laughs) wop. 
Nine tail wop. Yeah. I was actually thinking. I was Beware. just thinking the same thing too. And I was like, mm, that wop. But, but, <laughs> but specifically, I think in this case, the mother. I, 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 like, I think part of the part of the lore is that they are, can be um, vengeful spirits, mm-hmm. like uh, that that are uh, writing or or making. Um, amends for, for wronged or abused women. And in this case, um, Jiha's uh, mortal form was raped by her stepfather. Because um, they keep saying the mother's yes. husband, so I'm assuming that is not her father. Um, no, and, right, because she had... Th- her mother uh, had her out of... Had, had Jiha out of wedlock, mm-hmm. and, which caused her to be, you know... Um, Ostracized. ostracized by our community and then this dude was willing to take her on you know take her as a bride um you you learn because he more or less realized that hey i'll take you as a bride because you know you want to rise up in status and you'll shut up while i you know lay with your daughter right so yeah Yeah, so it's like a prey kind of thing yeah, and so, but it's so it's it's funny that uh, the mom, you know, goes to a shaman, has um, GI possessed by by this Kumiho, but then at but then it, the always the goal to get her back to being human, and mm-hmm. and so so just you you realize that this um, this woman this mystical creature has never really grown up with real love because the mom doesn't love her she only loves what she can do for her basically to to you know bring my daughter back and, and is always kind of telling her what she is and what she'll never be capable of it's like you can't love you'll never feel anything and she's like but that's not true because I'm feeling things um so I thought that was like an interesting like specifically like that you know that mother-daughter relationship is always tough and then this one had a few more obstacles in its way um, of how they are like relating to one another. Yeah, I don't know if it was intentional, but I kind of like saw it as like when someone has experienced that kind of abuse and an parent is like having trouble understanding like that desire to have the person they were before back mm. and like the fact that that's not possible because of trauma. Um, like they'll be different in any way um, that you have to love them all the same. But I don't know if that was what it was intended as or if it was like just literally like it's a spirit. The spirit is going to murder these people. Let it be. Um, but that's kind of what like I took from it. I think no, it's I, a little bit of both, actually. Go ahead. Yeah, Aaron, I'm sorry. I no, I'm just going to say I appreciate that read of it. You know, it's because it's like cause even even when she is human, Wait, she is never them? going to be the same. She can't right. be right? right, and you mm-hmm. and you and it's really harmful that you are trying to force that on her, and even. And when the mom, like, when the mom um, says, I, she's like, you know, I, I know you're still in there. I know she's still in there because, you, you know, the, your memories and the song you sang. And then you, we see the spirit, and I feel like in a in, uh, more um, direct way when she, because it, it got scary. I was like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, I know that song because your daughter sang that song every night that your husband raped her, it was like, I don't have her memories. I have his because I consumed him. And it was just like, it was like, 
fuck? Like it was just like yeah. that's mm. that's a lot, you know. So so even this memory that this 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 um the mom is holding on to, like you are my daughter because you know that song. It's like no, I know that song because your abuser knows that song, or because of your daughter's abuser knows that song. And then again, so again, this this idea you keep trying to again make her something she can never be again, right? Yeah. As opposed to to understanding and letting her be like yeah you you have to like let her be and give her room to figure out who she is now because she is different and that's it um so i i, I yeah i that was a really good insight cat yeah Kate martin says that uh, their mother cared more about reestablishing family honor than anything else uh and that was truly hurtful uh nerd soul uh but that is that is common for the culture as well um, I, I've kind of it read as abusive, but I don't think it was intended as abuse. Just that kind of withholding love, or because you're not actually my daughter, I'm going to, you know, I can't love you. But at the same time, did you love your daughter too? Because you're using her. Like you, you, you didn't say, "Hey, I'll become the Kimiho." You put it into your daughter, and then she's the object of your revenge. Now she's going to exact out all the things that you couldn't have or that you're not doing so like you're using your daughter at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day anyway so uh, you have to really question mom's motives from that point well i think mom was working from an uh, uh, a place of a whole lot of self-guilt like you said before you know brokering the deal that put the spirit in her daughter's body, you know, knowing that she was going to have to pay a cost for that, which was basically she would, you know, yes, she'll be able to, you know, uh, enact your revenge upon your, you know, your husband, her stepfather. But the 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 price is that she'll have to take a hundred more souls on top of that or ninety nine more souls on top of that before your daughter will actually be returned to you. And then seeing, you know, I think over the years, as this as obviously had been going on for years, I think that self guilt was what would make her the mother lash out at, you know, Jiha uh, uh, so much. And then once she is faced with the reality that G.I. or the slash Kamiho, the spirit, is reconciling with who or what she is and trying to, you know, um, form some type of understanding and life and acceptance of that forces the mother to have to reconcile with her own self-guilt which is why there is this immense tension throughout the entire episode that you you, you don't know which way it's going to go between uh jiha and and atticus except you, you kind of know that he gets out alive because this is a flashback um but there's this tension between her and her mother where you just, I mean, at least as far as when I was watching it with my lady, we were both like, it's just a matter of time before she slits her throat. It's just a matter yeah, of time, right? It's just a matter of time before the Camijo, you know, does away with the mother. And yet they, their story actually ends on this very beautiful, touching scene as the Camijo slash jiha um is, is is left 
mournful because of you know where her and Atticus are at this moment and the mother uh, is accepting of this is my child as I'm I have to accept and is motherly to her for the first time and and comforts her through that. I thought it was just a real beautiful coda to all of that tension that this that this episode um, built up. It was great. Now, mm-hmm. now, was that like a beautiful moment or was that like them slipping further into the pit? But because they uh, broke their original agreement of 100 souls and stopped at 99. She was saying, you're going to see so much more bloodshed or so much more death now. So, like, did that, like, indebt them to her for, like, many, many, many more souls or something? Because, like, I saw that going, like, not well for them because they are, like, breaking the agreement. And mom knew there was going to be a penalty. She was like, all right, I'll pay it this time. So, like, you know, just like saying, like, finally treating her motherly. Now she's willing to pay for, you know, whatever it is that they're breaking the agreement or what have you. But I, I saw that as being something negative for them. It looked beautiful, yes. But I ter- interpreted that as being something bad. Well, you're talking about their last visit to the shaman at the, a, a, afterwards. After the That's moment how it ended, right. Well, 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 right. But the, the moment I was talking about was just before that, when they, were, when they were at home. But when they went to the shaman, I thought that that was, first of all, I thought that also was a beautiful scene. Because as, my lady, put, as my lady pointed out, yo, I don't care what these women are going through. These women are fashionable like a motherfucker. They were fun. They... I know. That shaman's hat. I said, what is going on? I said, he came up. She said, wait, let me put my hat on. I was like, I was like, there's a Marshall Fields in Korea. Like, how the fuck did that happen, man? They was fly as a motherfucker, right? But I think what happened in that scene is that as opposed to when uh, obviously they first went to see the shaman where the mother was on the mission i thought this was an op- this was a moment when they were for the first time in a long time together so yes does this maybe mean bad more bad times ahead for them possibly but whatever is ahead for them i think they are facing it together and for for them that is the beginning of you know, some some actual an actual true relationship. So, no matter how bad it's going to be, it's all beautiful compared to what came before for them. Just speaking for them in that situation. Yeah, I took it as like her finally accepting that her daughter wasn't ever going to be the same, and then like embracing whatever that meant. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's my contribution. <laughs> George Camona says, I really thought that the mom would sacrifice herself as the last soul. Who Tony P says, that would have been too pretty of an ending, George. Mom, way too selfish and determined for self-sacrifice. I don't think so at the end. I don't agree with that, Tony. And Kate Martin says, if only she had taken one more damn soul. <laughs> Hashtag slacker. She's not a slacker. She fell in love. She, she was like, head. oh, I, I love this man, so I can't do that anymore. I can't live that life. I have to turn over a new leaf. Now, me personally, I think you could have had one more and then lived happily ever after with Tick. Maybe you tell him about your past. Maybe you don't. That's everybody's own personal decision. But I don't think it would have been too much to ask to have one more on the side. and then even Or even not be honest and tell Tick who, what you are. 
I could overcome that. I'd be like, yeah, we can get you one more. Matter of fact, I know the guy. He a dick. I know just who to get. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, that's not nothing we can't overcome. So we, but I, I could work with her on that one. But I don't think she wanted to do that. I think ultimately... And she, she didn't. She made a choice. She well, made a choice. Go ahead, go ahead, Ariel. And I was going to say, and there was a point where Jiha is speaking to her mother about the 100 souls, and she says, and it's more like, you're not even sure that will work. That's what the shaman told you. You don't know that if I consume 100 souls for sure that I will, in fact, become your, you know, your quote-unquote daughter again. And get the memories so, back. Right, so it's, so it's like, we, we're, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, mystical... Uh, workers don't always tell you everything, and you know magic. You know, Rumpelstiltskin told us magic. Oh, <laughs> magic comes with a comes price, with a right? Price. Always yeah. comes with a price. So, so again, I, I, even if she took that last soul, maybe it would not have looked like you think it will look right. And then, even mm -hmm. and to speak into the point of the mother sacrificing herself to be the last soul, it's like, but then Jiha will be human and alone. It's right. like because because her best friend is gone killed by the man she loves which is mm -hmm. guys we gotta get into that and then and then not to have this mom and then she's you know still trying to figure herself out and i think that would have just really spiraled her into a whole nother uh uh ostr ostracizing you know what yeah. i mean yeah yeah i and and i, I also she she had made the, the conscious decision that she didn't want to take that last soul now she was willing to take that on when, when she saw the opportunity to, to to take out atticus because atticus had killed her best friend but then when she started having con, you know conflicted feelings about that you know she okay i'm not going to take his soul and and i still don't want to be i still don't want to take it one the last soul. I want to be who, whoever I am, I, this is who I want to be. She was willing to open up and tell Atticus about who she was under the guise that she thought she could control it. Or maybe we can make these tales work for us. Hey! You know, I mean, you know, if you into it, Atticus, I mean, let me know how you feel about it, baby. You know what I mean? At least give him the chance, give him the opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and it seemed like there was this end where it's like they both had done horrible things. So it's like she's really pissed that he killed her best friend, reasonably so. Um, but right. like war makes you do horrible things, and she had murdered ninety nine people, um, brutally and like very gruesomely. So it's like kind of acknowledging like they both have like a monstrous past, and like that they've both done horrible things, but that doesn't necessarily like define them i guess or like that in each other they can see something that's like better it doesn't like preclude them from like better like the, the possibility of a future or a future together mm -hmm. and yeah. speaking of being gruesome can we not think of a better plan than doing this in my room on my bed like after number one i'd have been like can we do this in the garage how about the <laughs> river is there anywhere else where this works because in the river everything just washes away and we have right. to clean nothing like, do you want to spend all night on your hands and knees? I don't think you do, Mom. You gonna help me clean a hundred times. A hundred times you gonna help me clean up my room, Mom. I I don't know. I just think we could have found anywhere else, but Mom. <laughs> maybe, maybe Mom gave her the big room or something like that. But I I, don't, I just think if there's anywhere else we could have found a better location. <laughs>
Well, and to answer Kate Martin real quick, who said, so you believe everything else about the shaman except the hundred souls, really? I just feel like you don't fully trust people with magic. Like, that is what we've learned. You know what I mean? It's like people with magic, it's like I am, you know, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I don't, you know, I don't necessarily trust magical workers in this world because we mm-hmm. we have yet to find one that we can fully trust so i mean i wouldn't be surprised if 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 the hundred souls was actually key for something that the shaman needed or you know what i mean i just feel like we have there's enough of a basis. The whole story. yeah there's enough of a basis to say you probably don't really know the whole story with that and the fact that the the character brings it up it's not me just saying it jiha brings it up so i, I don't think it's there for nothing you know what i mean um it's definitely something that, you know, is is could be up in the air. And I'm sorry, like that shaman look real dope. How she get that hat? Like you up in the woods. <laughs> Amazon like, delivery. Like kind of separate from everything, but yet you got the flyers. It's like what deal? Like what deal you making? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Good point. I mean, it's like soul. you a little flossy up here to be like. But nobody know, to be seeing you. Yeah. Who right. You. For? Right. Yeah, because I, cause I would even imagine, like, the reason she's up so far is probably because she's probably ostracized as, like, this, you know, especially when when the uh, magical workers are women, right? And, like, this idea of, like, women with power. So so she's this witch in the mountains, right? But she got the flossiest stuff on. It's like, I need, I, I have more questions, you know? <laughs> I have more questions about you. Um but and, and so the but the, I thought another interesting thing about like when Jiha like unintentionally feeds on Tick and then finds out like again so she's seeing not just the life he's lived she sees his lifeline like she sees his end and so I thought that was interesting so when she's consuming these men it's not I mean they end with her right but it's not she doesn't just have the ability to see the life they live the things that they've done she has the ability to see what they will do and the fact that she tells her mom it's like he does he dies but not by my hand and I've never seen anything like what I saw for him you know what I mean and I thought that was like a really that was like a really cool um way for her abilities to work like you really are taking the soul of the person to the point where you can see the the end of their life, even if it's not by your hand. Well, if you think about it, she's never not going through with it before. So Atticus is the first person who she tried to let go. And so he survived. And that because she had two visions. She had one of his past. And then the second vision was of his future after her. And that's right. when she saw his death. And I think another woman at the bus station. Because the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, was Atticus lying? But then I realized it was mm. two different visions, one from before her and then one for after her. And oh. then there was like somebody at the bus station or on his way home. And then you saw Letty. And then it seems like whatever she saw in his death, maybe she saw some of the magic. And that was some of what she did not understand as to why or how he was uh, passing. But just because we saw him die don't mean we, he can't come back. Because Letty already did that. So I just want to throw that out there because I had that thought. Because them be like, oh my God, Tick going to die. Tick can come back, though. Tick might. If anybody come back, Tick can come back. His arms can bring him back from death. I believe that. From the conversations oh, yeah. I've heard over the last couple of weeks, it's just one thing I know, it's that. His arms can bring him back from death. I believe that. 
I don't know if his arms can bring him back from death. His arms could bring me back from death. It's like, <laughs> and I knew at that moment my spirit wasn't ready. Cat, are you are you as equally fascinated? Are you as equally fascinated with uh, Atticus arms as Ariel and Gabe have been these past? Well, Gabe weeks? likes his butt, and his back, and his butt. Gabe, and I mean, so I know Gabe liked this episode because we got it running away. Mm-hmm. We got he some, some we got some action, <laughs> some action butt. <laughs> Go ahead, pick up your pants, baby. Run on out. <laughs> you dropped the sock. You dropped the sock. You might want to come get that. Are these your dog tags? Oh, no, those are yours. <laughs> Never mind. I feel like Jihad was like, I hate almost feeding on him and watching and seeing him go, but I love watching him. <laughs> oh, I will say I agree with uh, the obsession that has been listed. <laughs> Do you have a favorite part? I mean, butts are great. I'm a big fan. <laughs> okay. All right. Gotcha. Good butt. Noted. So we'll put the world will know. two butts and one arm. Gotcha. And an honorable mention for the back. Yes. And shoulders. <laughs> also for the glasses. Just which like I appreciate. All of them, right? It's just, it's everything. It's, it's the package. He's a package deal. Okay. I mean, you're not going to be mad about anything that's in that box of chocolates. It's like, no, I'm good with all of this. Yeah, I tried every sample. I want all of them. There is nothing there I don't want. Go ahead. Go ahead. But I was going to say, and then for Jihad, though, the other horrific part of feeding off of him is she actually sees her friend being tortured. When you see, like, her... And Tick is holding her head while they pull her teeth out. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so when we're talking about their relationship and this, like, love story, you know, amidst, again, this trauma. And that's like, you killed my friend and I was going to kill you, but now I am torn. Like, you know, it's just like, man, human beings are messy. You know what I mean? And it's, I mean, and that's real. So it's like, so this is a, a, a man she should hate and... If she would have killed him, I mean, even though he's our protagonist, it's like she's not wrong. You know what I mean? Like you see, right. you see why. But the fact that you know now they're they're on this very different path, and it's and it's I I, I actually really enjoyed their love story because I feel like that is what it was. And but to the point where I almost feel sad because I feel like Letty is not getting a love story in the same way. But mm-hmm. but his his story with Jihad is a love story, you know. From it, it is a it isn't it's it, it is indeed a love story in many ways. Though, um, you're right. It's not the same type of love story that he has with Letty. It it, it doesn't make his love story with Letty any less true or, or authentic. But in many ways, Atticus' love story with Jihad is akin to his first love his first real love and we all, and we learned that it's his first sexual love um and that that was another very you know moving wait 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 wait, wait. do we know that was his first sexual love yes yes yeah, you that? Yeah, that I, first oh i've only watched yeah. it once so i know there was stuff i missed when did they say that when, when they the were first in her time, other place 
The first time he takes her to, he, she takes him to the plate to her place. They're about to get it on, and he lets her know that hey, this is um, this is my first time. I've never I've never done this. Um, which, oh, I missed that completely. Which is when she I, I like like they they start to get into it, but she she like just kicks him out because she is having conflicted feelings about that, you know, because mm-hmm. he... Yeah, because I think that's what she was about to go through with the killing. Right. Yeah, she was going to murder and then decided not to do the murder. Right, because he was okay. being so vulnerable and he was being vulnerable with her because he's, that's when he first tells her that, hey, you know, I've had to do a lot of things here that I that that are not me, but I've, I've had to do them because of they're, they're my job and whatever. And it's hard for me to, to not think of those things constantly, but you make me feel like I can, like I might be able to forget that or, or at least take my mind off of that. It's in that him being vulnerable to her in that moment is what makes her, you know, Say, all right, I'm not going to go through with killing you, which then cuts to her showing up at the base and basically telling her, telling him, you put it on the line that, yo, you killed my best friend and I was going to kill you yesterday. And he said and him, him telling her that, you know, first giving her like the excuses, like she was a communist. I was doing my job, but also. I realized that that was that was fucked up for me to do that, and them having a meeting of the minds, and like Cat pointed out, you know, seeing the monsters in a, in effect that this war and this situation has made of both of them, her or me even more so, but you know, unbeknownst to him, is what I think was is really really special because that is what bonds them further in love and then leads to them having their first sexual true sexual encounter and in that sexual encounter you can tell that she is taking the lead because it is his first time and she is walking him through it and um it's really just a, a a very special moment and uh shout out to the person on facebook who says can we give jiha um some love because she was mad hot yes yes she is she was jamie yes. chung came out. Yes, she jamie was. chung the actress playing jiha is a stone cold Fox, I'm gonna tell you right now. Y'all can Literally. be all up on her arms. You can be up on Atticus's arms and legs and butts or whatever. I was on Jamie Chung's whole hole because she was a stone cold fox from from the head up. Like even when she had on her big coat, I was still like, mm, Lord Jesus. So yes, and them, them yes. pretty yes. eyes and she and, them, and, and lips. Good God Almighty, yes, Lord Jesus, yes. yes. Okay, but she's very pretty. <laughs> and just so you know, I've, I've been a fan of Jamie Chung since uh, the um, the X-Men series that she's on because she plays Blink, which I oh, love. Oh, okay. 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 She yeah, yeah, plays yeah. Blink, Blink on uh, the, the one that, The Gifted, that used to come on Fox. She was she played uh, she played Blink. And she so also played Mulan in Once Upon a Time. She did play Mulan in Once Upon a Time. And she was in love with Aurora. 
And yeah, she even know. has back dimples. Yes, Lord, she does. I saw them. Yeah, those those are the truth. Oh, are back yeah, dimples a thing? <laughs> yes, they oh, are. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay, I mean, let's just agree they can both get it. It's great. <laughs> yes. They can both get it, and they got it. Absolutely. They can keep it. They can have it. <laughs> Okay, real quick, because I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to take it out a, a moment to point out something and ask all of you a question, and I'll start, and I'll start with um, Kat, and then everybody else can answer. Okay. So, uh, in this, in this episode, which was very, very touching, and there's a lot more to talk about, about the episode in, in general, but in this episode, the, the character of Atticus, right? Definitely gets his Cuba Gooding Jr. on in this episode because he cries at least three times in this episode, right? Now, I'm okay. fine because one time he's crying, he's at the military hospital and he's reconciling with, you know, that he can't read and, you know, God knows whatever else is going on through through his brain, you know, um, you know, probably dealing with all types of PTSD and, and who knows. So he sheds a tear there and then he sheds a tear when he and Jihad, you know, uh, you know, tell each other about each other at, at that moment at, at the gate on, on the base. And then he cries again when he tells her that he's going to leave, but he wants to take her with her. Now, he doesn't blubber in all of these moments. Sometimes he just sheds a tear or two or whatever. And in the moment where they're both talking, she is also crying as well. But my lady had a problem with him crying so much because one she said you never cry at work and she <laughs> felt that him crying on in the military hospital and at the base when they were talking was an example of him crying at work and he should never have done that and then when he cries again when they are alone, she would allow for that. However, because he had already cried twice earlier in the show, she said, oh my God, he now he's just a fountain. He's all cried right. out. He's, he's all, all cried out. Cried. And she felt, she, she was checking my man's man card. For real. She was, like, she, was, she was checking on his heart. She's like, all the arms in the world do not make up for all these, all these waterworks. She was not feeling it. So I'll start with you, Kat. Does she have a point there? So let him cry. I'll take that version of him over like, I can't talk about my feelings. I'm going to punch some walls and be mad about stuff version of him when he gets back. Like, let him be vulnerable. Let him get it out. Because otherwise, how is he going to get out all this trauma and things and like violence that he's experienced other than like negatively later where he like takes it out on his dad i mean kind of justifiably um but like you know like there's like a different kind of rage that he feels when he gets back and if it's like he's actually handling his emotions in a way and like getting it out while he's there i think that's like the more healthy way to deal with it than kind of what we see in previous episodes where he's just like really letting the rage take over So I'm cool with Mac. That, I, oh, I know I I'm actually you know and I, and I, there are definitely points where he uh, I think when uh, GI comes in 
and they're talking and you cl- he is tearing up and trying not to like in front of other soldiers and and like I I like can respect that like you know the I guess don't cry at work but I will assure you I've cried at work many times <laughs> like you know what I mean I've I've had full breakdowns and I think I don't know I thought it was refreshing because it's like again this idea of like what is black and masculine is no emotion. It's like, well, I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't know how to cry and get out what they're feeling because those are the people that'll punch you in the face. Like, You know what I mean? Like, think about Montrose. Montrose can't accept who he is. He can't maybe, like, you know, mourn the poor relationship he had, you know, with his dad because his dad was trying to make him somebody he wasn't. He is having trouble coming to terms with who he is, who he loves, who he wants to be with. And so his, and he in turn abused his son. And so the mm-hmm. fact that we now see this son who is self-aware enough to, to not be okay. And I think he is, he is in a war. He is doing horrible things. You know, again, this is a, the woman that he loves. It, I, I, I can't remember if this is, if he knew at this point that, he killed his, her best friend, but in either case, you know you've done some really messed up things. You've you've held a woman's head while her teeth were yanked out. You and and if you don't cry about that, that's scary. You know what I mean? So I so I'm not gonna. This is not just he's not like boohooing because you hurt his feelings. It's like real shit is going on, and he mm-hmm. needed to cry about that. It's like you got to get that out because it destroys you when you hold it in. You know what I mean? And then he becomes a person that can now not relate because he's so angry. He's so, because he can't let go of anything. You know what I mean? And so I, I actually think it's, it's very healthy. Uh, it's healthy to me that he cried, especially in that, in that time. Uh, before I let you go, Mac, uh, Drank uh, Jager says, uh, my man shot a nurse in the face, which I'm sure is probably a violation of the Geneva Convention or something, and he can't cry. Hashtag cold world. And uh, to which Nerd Soul says, I feel you, um, but ain't nobody following the Geneva Convention, unfortunately. And Kate Martin says, just because you cried at work doesn't mean you should. I think you should cry whenever you need to. Like, like I honestly, that has that has saved me from personally a lot of self-destructive behavior because I can, I can acknowledge I am not okay and I need to get this out as opposed to like taking it on the chin. And again, I feel like, again, as a black woman, that's what's expected of me. Oh, just take it on the chin, suck it up, suck it up. It's like, well, there's almost only so much suck it up. I got to do. It has to come out or I am going to destroy myself. You know what I mean? And I, and again, I mean, it's getting personal for me, but it's like, there's somebody in my life that could not cry and could not accept what was and it destroyed them and I had to watch it you know what I mean so it's like so I'm not going to I'm not going to condemn somebody else for the tears that they needed to shed it's like you we are human beings that is natural you know what I mean and that is like I I I am not I have never served in a war but you know I think about like the horrors that happen you would we are not made to do that to one another and so it's like so if you can do that and you don't have a tear to shed it's like i think there's some deeper stuff going on you know what i mean personally and that's just me so matt go ahead what's your thoughts i would say that the only encounter with his tears that caught me off guard were be uh when he was in the uh the hospital room probably that first night at right after he got in, injured and was there Mm-hmm. All the rest of them all tied to Gia's theme, times and, and like right on time and everything. 
being your first encounter, your first love, anything like that. And it's a war and there's a lot of stuff going on. So, yeah, I definitely think you need to cry about some things. Like that first night, you were probably remembering, like, who you saw die or, you know, probably some bad shit. You know what I mean? Like something bombed. So everybody in your unit didn't make it out. You know what I mean? Like you were lucky. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel like you need to be able you need to be able to get let it out somehow, whatever kind of way you have to. Um, so you definitely need to have those resources available or just have that wherewithal about yourself to be able to do that. But it makes sense, and I see why your lady's your lady. You make the exact same allegations toward Deku. So I see why you don't like males crying. <laughs> so if you don't like Deku crying, I can see how your lady not like her soldiers crying. She wants her soldiers to be all gladiator, like, you know, I'm a father of a murdered son and a husband to a murdered wife, and just going there handling business, cutting off heads. So everybody wants their heroes to be more like that, you know, just John wicking them, and he cries on the inside, but, you know, that's just because not because I don't want you to see my tears, because that's just where I keep them. You know what I mean? So I, I can see that. But so it's all in just where do where's the line? Where do you draw the line on your new man? Because like I can say honestly, as an adult, I feel like as a man, it's okay to cry when I did not feel that way when I was a kid or growing up. So like it's more of a measure. So like where's your line? Like when are tears okay for your man? At a funeral? At breakfast? Like, you just have to make up those choices for yourself personally about what you expect for your man or as yourself as a man. Like, you know, I don't cry at breakfast anymore, but, you know, if I'm taking a smash and it was a good one, I might feel so moved. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Tony, Tony P says if there's any time a man should be crying, it's in the middle of a war or when falling in love. That's uh, oh, very yeah. good. Tony so, G also continues. So Women complain about toxic masculinity, then ostracize a man for showing and sharing his emotions. How sway? How sway? How sway? How sway? How sway? <laughs> yeah, so you got you well, got to let I, these I, men feel. I'm not doing that. I say let it out. Mm -hmm. We're all better for it. Yeah. Um, we're all better for it. And just for the just for the sake of argument, that was my read as well. I mean, you know, I you know that that was her read. That was my read. We agreed to disagree on that, so it was all good. Yeah, and I think and I think for for Jiha to see those tears again, that's just a deeper insight for her into him. It's like mm -hmm. he is. He is not he is not the man that had to do these horrible things. Right. Just like you are not what your mom is trying to make you. Your mom keeps telling you you're a monster. And it's like, well, how like how, like how sway? Because I'm, I'm having feeling I'm having, you know, real emotion. I have people that I care about, you know, her best friend. I mean, she obviously cares about her mom, too. And yeah, so I just feel like that was like a deeper insight to just how complicated humanity is because we also have to remember she's not fully human like she even talks about uh mimicking her friend to to oh i i as far as showing concern for other yeah. people yeah. i just would i forget i can't remember her friend's um name at the young moment ja. young, young ja. ja yeah but she's like i would do what she did because she cared about people right so it's like so she is learning to be human so again to see like the the how complicated we are we are not cut and dry things so the same the same man who 
you know, help, help to murder your friend is, is a man who was trying to escape his abusive father, who is not okay with the things that he's done. And he did those things and now he's crying. Like, you know what I mean? So I think it just, it gives a, a broader window into who he is. And for, for Jiha, as again, she is not fully human, understanding like just the complexities of humanity. Like we don't, we don't make sense. Like nothing about this makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're, not, we're not always rational. Right. And, and we, there's always conflicting things swirling around in us at all times. The, the you know, the, again, the the um, the uh, what is it? The potential for good and evil always. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so I so I thought I thought that was even important for her to see in her a new understanding of herself. And, you know, as she moves towards some form of humanity, even though she's still going to be, you know, a, a Kimiho at the end of the day when she's making that decision so yeah I love this episode I love I loved I was when uh, again when, when I was watching it with my lady um you know last week was the halfway point of the season the season is only going to be 10 episodes um and there's always a point where a show will give you an episode that's kind of like a breather right that is kind of like especially you know it's been ramping up ramping up ramping up and now there will be an episode that gives you a moment to you know just like take everything in sit back a little bit usually it is kind of like a maybe a a a, uh, flashback episode like this one that kind of like fills in some gaps um still gives you some good good stuff and this this was a beautiful um episode it it felt it was an hour and like two minutes and it felt longer because it felt so much like a movie but it didn't feel Mm -hmm. long like oh my god when is this going to end it just felt so so full and so enriching like a movie um but it was still for all the drama that was happening in it it was still very much of a pause in the story before you know they ramped it up for the next four episodes and it was um it was just really good i mean i can't i cannot believe how much this show is like hitting on all cylinders like that yeah the episode like tied Um, a bunch of knots too which was cool like it connected back to previous episodes which was cool and seeing some of the kind of the correlations between uh, cultures, mm-hmm. too. So uh, they were having a conversation like, oh, well, if you find a man, then you won't have to finish school. Or uh, Gia saying, oh, well, my degree will bring honor to our household. And mom's like, not like a man would. And it's right. like, damn. You know what I mean? It's like, that's crazy. Like, those are your choices. Go to school or get a man. But, you know, you don't got to do both, you know, but whichever one you want to do. And, the, edu- like and the education is not the the higher... Priority. <laughs> Priority, yeah. right? That's, yeah. that's not like... Yeah, yeah. Just like... Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, you can to fall study, but, but you, or you could just get that dude over there. Right. Like, that's and, crazy. And the thing is, is that you could... There's a part of you that could say, well, maybe she was just saying about a man because they she wanted a man to so that she could have her daughter back but then when you see her in the class with all the other nursing students you can see they all are of that same mindset so you that, that's what gives you the the, the window into the, like oh no this is the true 
you know, um, this is the culture. This is how they, they raise their women, you know, here. And I think uh, Young Ha, yeah. um, her line was very cool that, you know, uh, mothers always want what is best for them, yeah. but not always what is best for us. I thought that was a cool line. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover on this episode, Ariel? Um... No, I, I mean, I think I think that's it. I, I am interested to see, like, do we see Jiha, you know, in the States? Like, you know, how does that wrap up? If we do see her, how does that play out, you know, with Letty? Um, mm. Make things complicated. Yeah, and, I, and you know what? So, and, the, and here's the thing. So this is now that I know that it was Tick's first time because I didn't get that. And, and I guess because it was my assumption that he just, you know, he'd had sex before. But I think that, like, why did I assume that, right? And just like he assumed that Letty, you know, had, you know, been around the block herself and the, even to the point he never even, it never even dawned on him. And he has been in that situation where it was his first time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and since somebody had to be gentle with him and that he, I feel like he didn't even, that wasn't even the realm of possibility because when she says it, he was like, your first time what? He, know, he don't even look up initially. So again, I just now I'm thinking about that in a different way. So of course, I think when I rewatch the whole series start to finish, I'll have more like, you know, just kind of nuances like that. Um, just kind of just assumptions we make. And again, just because Letty owns her sexuality, like she under, you know, she owns her womanhood. That doesn't necessarily mean she's experienced in every way, right? But but what was the assumption and why, you know? I just think that's interesting. So more deep thoughts. Okay. All right. Anything that you wanted to bring up? (laughs) That's from Anything that you wanted to bring up that we maybe didn't touch on uh, uh, Kat? Um, Well, I took notes because the first time I was here, I was like way too tired and didn't contribute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I took notes to prepare to since I was subbing in for Gabe, and the only things I didn't get to say was that it was really cool that the hallucination from episode two kind of is more explained after seeing this episode because of the conflict he feels with Gia, mm-hmm. and like the fact that they're like kind of fighting each other, and there's like the whole, uh, he's like, I don't want to hurt you, because he's still recognizing like, even though she's not human, but like her humanity, even though they're like attacking each other kind of at equal par um and then also at the first episode when he's talked like it gives the kind of the count of monte cristo a new meaning because that was both his father's favorite book but also like connected it to her yeah um because that's the book they bonded over for love and it makes more sense that he called her immediately after but those are the two things that i wrote down that i didn't get to say that i was excited about <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Uh, Kate Martin is, is, is uh, apparently um, hard on this crying at work thing. It says that um, <clears throat> cry at home, cry in the car, cry in the bathroom, cry with your family, partner, loved ones. But as a black woman, I am not visibly and audibly crying at work. Not going to happen. Hashtag feel free, not me. Um, and Charles, Charles Drafter 11 says... Every soldier never brings back his pillow because it smells like salt water from all the tears. Mm. Yeah, I mean, now, and, and, and you can feel, you know, I guess it's a different, this is turning into a different conversation than men crying, to crying at work. 
So if you're working in a supermarket, you're probably not crying at work, right? If you're working in a cubicle, you're probably not crying at work. If you're a firefighter or a police officer or working in a children's hospital, you're a lot more likely to cry at work. So if you're probably have to, uh, I worked in a cubicle. If you're a business owner, right? If you're a sole proprietor, you're a lot more likely to cry at work. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so, yeah. so I think this just turned into a cry at work kind of thing. My man's a soldier. He's crying at war. This is a black man expressing himself. It's, nobody cares he was that fucking at work. I think that was just like the slogan that caught on real quick. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's the conversation they want to have. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. Uh, the only points I were going to bring up uh, is just that uh, they didn't have quote-unquote racism over there, but they still had... Well, my man was still a foreigner, and they still had their issues as far as being different. Because I mm-hmm. definitely got the feel that maybe they liked each other a little bit, and that's what she meant. Well, I know Kimiko or G- G- Gia was saying she was a, is a Kimiho, so she was different. But I don't know if her best friend like saw her looking at her and thought she meant something different by saying she was different, i.e., you know, homosexuality or anything like that. Yeah, or yeah. being different as a communist. Yeah, could you imagine being like, oh, no, I'm in the Tea Party. Hey, let's hang him. And you could string up somebody in the street for saying they want to be Tea Party over, you know, a yeah. Democrat or Republican. Like, that's, you know, communist versus dem- Democrats. That's what the Korean War was over. So, mm-hmm. democracy. And they strung up a communist in the street. My man said, I'm Tea Party, and they hung him. So, like, yeah, like, being different is still not the greatest thing, even if you're not different, you know, colorly or, you know, <laughs> ethnically or whatever ethnically. you want to put it. Well, you know what? You put yeah. So I thought that was interesting. That was one of the things I was unsure about the friend because uh, I was like, I can't tell it. Initially, I was like, I can't tell if she's the mean girl. I can't tell if she's genuinely mm-hmm. friends with her and, or I can't tell if she likes her. I was like, what is going on? So, so that was... So even when, you know, they're all lined up, you know, and people are getting shot, I didn't know what was going to happen because I was still not 100% sure about the friend. But then when, you know, they get to Jiha and she's like, it's me, it's me, it's me. It's like, oh, no, she did care about her. I mean, and to the extent to which we will never know. Right. But Mm -hmm. but I, I definitely saw a couple layers there. So I wasn't sure how to take her initially. Um do you know just just as like who like who is this person because she had something about how she would talk she it was a very mean girl vibe about her but then it was like oh wait she's she does care and or you know so i thought that extended was extended um, hand touching say it again extended periods of hand touching yeah yes. so and like yeah. longing looks in each other's eyes i was like i was like this i know this isn't where it's going and Gia definitely it. checked out her ankles <laughs> she was definitely checking out them ankles she was and I think, and and again, it's like, you know, in America where we are not a homogenous society, you know, so race is always at play. And then to now we're taking the story to South Korea where that is a more homogenous society. It's like, you know, we're all, we are the same. Like the, um, uh, what's the friend's name again? I'm sorry. Young Ja. Young Ja. She says we're we're all the same. We're all humans. And I think that's always something that's easier to see when there's not an other. But then even when there's not an other physically, you find a way like, okay, oh, you're a communist, hang them. You know what I mean? So now we still found, we, you know, human beings always find a way 
to belittle someone else's humanity, despite the fact that we're all the same. I, so that was another thing that kind of hit me when she said that, you know, as we're watching this man hang. Yeah. yeah. With no trial. With a proper news. Yeah. And, and a proper and, news. And that crowd was crazy because there's a little girl in the front that was a little too angry for a little a girl. A child, yes. Yeah, I was like, what? I was like, first like, of all. And it's your bad time. Like, why they got this little girl out there for a hanging, and why is she so vehemently, like, I was like, this is, like, frightening. And, again, you see how, like, easy it is to just spark hate. It's like that little girl don't even, probably don't even fully understand why she feels the way she feels, but she knows, oh, this is how we behave when people are like this. And that's, like, some, that's some really scary shit. Well, that's scary shit, but but remember, this is happening in 1950 in Korea, and this same type of shit was happening in 1950 America and there were there were lynchings and hangings being being perpetrated in America and kids were up front it like it was like it was a county fair you know you can find photos of that shit happening so um no, and I, and right, absolutely, but it's just like how, like how sway, like you, you know, back to that it's just like I don't it's just, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, when you think about it rationally, like, nothing about it makes sense. And it's just, again, I think right now I'm just kind of pondering humanity. And One of the things yeah. that this show asks you to, to, to uh, deal with is to reconcile who are the real monsters that are on display. So, once again, this episode, it's, you know, it's right there. Who are the monsters? This woman, this this Komiho, this nine-tailed spirit, or all of you regular folks who have been um, exhibiting your monstrosities and your monstrous behavior be in, in, in the name of uh, uh, the war or what have you. You know, your right. own beliefs or political views and, and shit like that. That is what good television gives you, ladies and gentlemen. It gives you it gives you all these different layers that you peel back and, and just like just find all that good gooey stuff. Much like, you know, real quick, let's shout out another HBO series, Watchmen, which won for the Emmy for a limited series uh, last night at the 2020 Emmys. And Regina King took home the lead actress in a limited series. Yahya Abdul-Mateen took home the supporting actor uh, win in a limited series. So Watchmen doing Damn fine, John will work out here in these streets, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, Watchmen is great. Yes. All right. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. If you have thoughts you, you want to share with us, please feel free. Email your thoughts to us. Email us at blacktribbles at gmail.com. All of your thoughts. Put Lovecraft Country in the uh, subject line so we know that this is an email about Lovecraft Country because we'd love to share your thoughts here 
on our show. And if you want to follow the Black Tribbles, you want to give us your thoughts on all of the social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or even Tumblr, look up Black Tribbles at Black Tribbles. That's where you'll check us out. That's where you'll see us. The Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country is available as a podcast every Tuesday morning on blacktribbles.com as well as wherever you find podcasts such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts. If you've got a podcast there, you will find the Safe Tribble Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country. That's where the podcast will be. Cat. Uh, Thank you so much for for ch- staying here, sitting in for Gabe. Um, we really, really ap- appreciate it. Really, really. Ap- yeah, it was fun. If, and if you love Cat, you love Gabe, check him out wherever you find podcasts. Look for the Ghouls Next Door podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Go check it out. They've got a YouTube page as well. Go subscribe to them. Crazy. You- yep. Yep. So go find them, find them. Uh, thanks so much, Kat. This has been fun. Yeah, it's been real. Thank all you, right. Kat. <laughs> y'all doing it every week. I'm just here for a minute. Thank y'all. Well, well, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to get out of here. All of you out there who have been following us on YouTube and Facebook, thank you very much for your comments because you make the show worth doing. Until next week, for the Uncanny Tribble, for the Master Tribble, for the Death by Robots Tribble, for the Vacationing Horror Tribble, shout out to you and your family. Hope you're having a great time. And for all of the Black Tribbles and everyone in Tribble Nation, this is the Bat Tribble. In parting, we say... I'm sorry, I did not have one for this week. <laughs> who, death to the communist. Who, death to the communist. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> who, who are the real monsters? There you go. <laughs> we'll do better next week. I'm death sorry. That's my fault. That's my fault. We'll do better when Gabe is here to run the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Be safe. Keep your mask up. We're gonna run to...